Hello, world, and welcome to the Ignited Fortitude podcast. Guys, I promise, Steve and I are still doing the podcast. We actually were supposed to record today. Steve texted me and said that he wasn't going to be able to make it because of some work-related stuff. So I apologize, guys. There is so much that we have to talk about, and I promise it's not just rambling on, but actually some good content that we have that has uh, really, truly been beneficial in, in our walk. And uh, just seeing the Lord do some some amazing things in the last couple of months uh, in our lives. And uh, it's so encouraged to finally be able for Steve and I to sit and actually talk. Even him and I haven't really gotten a chance to process and talk. So I'm excited to, to have those conversations, be able to share them with you guys, give you guys some encouragement, some tools uh, that we have come to be able to use, to learn, uh, that have been super beneficial in our walk with Christ. And so, guys, unfortunately, we weren't able to to record. But what I'm going to do is I had the opportunity to cover for Pastor Ryan at, at Bisbee. So I'm going to go ahead and upload uh, the content from the teaching that I did. And uh, guys, it's been something that I've been trying to really work on and something that I've just been uh, trying to process. It's uh, talking about uh, our identity. And um, for those of you that know, everything comes out of our, our identity. Guys, what... Um, you know, we are uh, a reflection of the things that we do. And so, guys, this teaching is in Genesis 32. And guys, I hope and pray it's super encouraging. And I promise uh, here shortly, Steve and I will make it uh, a priority to sit down and, and put these episodes out. So until then, guys, God bless you. Thank you guys so much for uh, still being there. Hopefully you guys haven't unsubscribed to us and, and you guys will get the notification as soon as this comes out. Uh, guys, thank you so much for all your support. Uh, continue to pray for us, for our families. And uh, guys, if there's anything that we can do for you or pray for you guys, in the meantime, please don't feel uh, like you can email just because you haven't seen any uh, any content come out from us. Guys, you can definitely email and uh, send us, you know, whatever it is that we can be praying for you. And I promise uh, at least we can do that. So God bless you guys. I've had a couple of uh, very helpful spiritual butt whoopings from this guy over the last few years and i'm really looking forward just to hearing it touches my heart they're very positive pastor bobby come on up and and share with us so that's the first time i've ever, ever been introduced like that so the um it's funny that you say that though because if you're catching it for me I'm catching it that much harder from when I'm when I'm studying it. So uh, this morning we're going to be in Genesis 32. If you would please open up your Bibles, Genesis 30, Genesis 32. We're going to be looking at Jacob and the combination and the culmination of things that happen in his life where he also receives a whooping, and uh, and. It will be something that happens in his life that is going to truly change him. So as you guys are turning there, I'm going to read you a quote real quick before uh, we pray and start reading the scripture. A.W. Tilger says this. He says, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So keep that in mind as we get ready to pray and, and read this part of scripture. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you that uh, we have your word to read out of. Uh, Lord, I pray that this morning you would do something uh, awesome and amazing. You have brought everybody here um, that you desired to be here at this time. And so God, just do a work in each and every single one of us. Uh, Father, I pray 
Um, just as Jesus said that anything that we ask in his name, God, you would grant as long as it was going to bring, bring glory to you. And so I just pray that this morning, Holy Spirit, do work in us. You prompted men to write uh, your word and to write the Bible. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, just as, as you prompted the men to write the, the word, you still use us today. You still guide us. So I just pray that you would help connect my words to what was written in a, in a manner that we can leave here uh, differently than what we came. Uh, the God, that we would have an opportunity to to meet with you. And, and just as we're going to read how J- Jacob wrestles uh, with you, God, that you would uh, do a work in us and that uh, God, we would come to a place where we realize uh, you desire so much more than, um, Lord, just to save us, but you desire to change us. You love us the way we are, Lord, but you love us too much to leave us that way. And so God, do a mighty work in us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so um, let's go ahead and read this. Genesis 32. We're just going to read the whole thing, okay? Verse 1. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Manaam. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. Verse 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. And and there are 400 men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps, thinking if Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant, for which only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Verse 11, Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the, uh, attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So he stayed there that night, and from what he had with him, he took a present from his brother, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 male goats, 20 male goats, 200 uh, ewes, and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, When Esau, when Esau my brother meets you and asks you, To whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my lord Esau, and moreover, he is behind us. Verse 19. He likewise instructed the second and the third, and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, Moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him 
with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterward I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. For the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. Verse 22. The same night he rose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. I know it's a lot to to read, but it gives us a a big context of what's going on in Jacob's life. Um, Jacob's life, you can read the account. It starts back in Genesis chapter 25. And it starts off with his mother, Rebecca, being pregnant. She didn't know what was going on. And she was having uh, a crazy pregnancy, goes to the Lord, asks the Lord what's going on. And the Lord tells her, you have two nations that are at war within your belly. And one is stronger than the other. And the younger is going to be over the older. Back in that culture, it was always the older brother, the older, the older brother that was going to take the inheritance. God was going to flip that. Um, God's concerned with our character. And uh, it, I lead the high school group over in, in Calvary Chapel, Sierra Vista. And we've been going through the life of David. And when we've been looking at David's life, one of the things that I, that I really, um, that was illuminated to me was when David was anointed king, he was just a shepherd boy. And God used Samuel to anoint him and say, you are going to be the king of Israel. But Saul was king during that current position. And you see David fighting to do the right thing. And at any moment, him being anointed as king, he could have taken that position. But God used those, I think it's like 15, 20 years that he was uh, running from Saul. He used that to develop him as a, as a good king. See, he was told that he was going to be king, but he was waiting for God to do something. As we look at the life of, life of Jacob, Jacob is to be the one that's going to own the inheritance. But we see that his mom and him try to do whatever they can in order to make that happen, okay? God's going to get his will done regardless of what we do, but we can either do it the easy way or we can do it the hard way, okay? So one of the things when I was, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I took the high schoolers to camp up in Prescott, and we're, we're standing in line. The kids were going to do a zip line, and it was superhero day. And as we're standing in line, there was a kid, and he was Batman, and he had a Batman mask on, and... When he went up, he tells the lady, the lady tells him, hey, you need to take your mask off. And he's like, yeah, but I, I want to keep it on. And she's like, look, you can't, ha- you can't put your helmet on unless you take your mask off. And in that moment, because the Lord's always giving me some kind of illustration, right, if we're looking for it, in that moment, I'm like, man, that is so true, 
right? Because what is one of the pieces of armor that the Lord gives us? The helmet of salvation, right? But guess what? We have a mask on, all of us. We have a mask on. And, and what happens with that mask is we become a person, we become a false self, and we aren't the real us. And this happens over the course of our life. As we look at Jacob's life, right? How did Jacob start off? We see him trying to, what? His, his, we get it from his name. He's a heel grabber, right? He's a swindler. He's trying to, to do whatever he can to get what he wants. And now in this section that we're reading, he's put in this position where he's running from Laban, his father-in-law, and now he's going to meet the person that he was running from all along in the first place, his brother Esau, who he stole the blessing from. That blessing was Jacob's all along. And if you look at let's let's look back at the, at the scripture right here in, in, in verse 1, right? Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And let's just think about that. Like, and the Bible just brushes so, so easily over that. What did that look like? He saw that happening and he sees that God's with him. Let's turn back even one more, one more uh, chapter. In chapter 32, I'm going to read a couple verses. In verse 3, chapter 31, verse 3, it says, The Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. The reason why Jacob's back on this journey going back home is because God's the one that sent him out there. Now listen, if God is if God is going to send us, he's going to provide for us and he's going to protect us. Our problem is is too often we want to protect ourselves. See when we look at the different pieces of armor, when you even look at the shield of faith, it's God's shield. The breastplate of righteousness, it's God's righteousness. And too many times we enter a situation and we're like, you know what? I know what happened. I know what I'm going to say. And we start putting on our own righteousness to start fighting those battles where God's like, no, 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 don't stop. I don't want you to fight. I want to fight that for you. Yeah, but God, if you fight that for me, that means I need to apologize. That means I need to be real with who I am. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Because I love you the way that you are. So let's look at a couple of things right here. When Jacob got the blessing from his father, Isaac, how did that come about? Trickery, right? Lying, deception. So what ends up happening is the moment finally comes when Jacob is, is where Isaac is about to pass and he's going to give the blessings and he's going to hand them out. Now, we can go, we don't have time for it, but there's a whole other uh, way to look at what Isaac was doing because Isaac, should have trusted the Lord, but he still wanted to bless Esau because he was a firstborn. And it tells us in Genesis chapter 25, verse 28, this is what it says. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Listen, Jacob's character stems all the way back from his childhood. That should tell us a few things, right? As parents, we need to be careful with the way that we're raising up our children. For some of us that maybe that season has left us and we're not in that season as spouses, we should look with um, compassion on one another, especially when we know what our spouses have been through and what has developed them and brought them to be who they are. And also this should give us some compassion within ourselves also knowing maybe I went through some hard things and this is what has brought me to this point, right? So this started back then. And his character was being developed and being developed and being developed. And then he gets to the point where 
Isaac tells Esau, hey, you know what? I'm about to die. Like, go get me my, go maybe my favorite meal. Get, you know what I like? Get it for me. Bring it. And I'll bless you. Over when he leaves, Rebecca's like, hey, Jacob, this is your moment. And it's your time to get the blessing that God had for you all along. God was going to do it. We need to trust that God is going to accomplish his will. Okay. So she gets things together. And then what ends up happening, it's like so silly that we, that we hear when we read it, right? Jacob's like, I can't go in there. Like Esau is stinking hairy. Like I got smooth skin. I, you know, I exfoliate and all this other stuff. Like, like I'm not like him. And she's like, don't worry, I got you. So she, you know, gets the, the hair of an animal, puts it on him. So when he goes in there, Isaac's a little bit confused as to who it is. Like, how'd you get here so fast? Like, there's no way, right? He even doubts it. But Isaac asks him, who are you? And that's, think about that. Think about that question. Who are you? And without, without a flinch, without anything, without hesitation, Jacob tells Isaac, it's your son Esau, right? And then, and then Isaac's like, how'd you get here so fast? All He's like, oh, the Lord provided for me, right? Again, using the Lord, the Lord provided for me. Really? That's not what happened. But so he gets the blessing. Isaac blesses him. And then guess what? Esau comes back and then finds out what just happened. And Rebecca's like, uh, son, you better go because your brother is going to whoop you. And so there you go. And, and, and that is the start of Jacob's life on his own, running from his problems, trying to deceive as he gets to, to the land where his mom was from and, and meets his, his, um, his uncle, well, and, and uncle and father-in-law, right? He's going to try to deceive and, and he works through all those things. And it finally gets to the point where it's so bad that he has to get out of there. And God's like, it's your time to go. You've made a mess here. You made a mess there. But here's the thing. God wants to bless him and wants to meet him. But not until he is able to come to a place where he can be real with himself and be real with God is when that blessing will finally come. Look at this. This is one of the things as, as I was studying this that I was like, wow, that's, that's interesting. And in, in back to chapter 32, verse 1, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. So he called the name of that place Manahem. Now, in in my Bible, if you go to the very bottom, mine's got a little uh, note of what Menahem is, and it means two camps. God's camp and Jacob's camp. And that's Jacob's problem, and that's a part of our problem. We have our, our church life, and then we have our work life. Right? We have our home life, and then we have our, our uh, who we want the church people to know. Right? And that and that's that that was Jacob's problem. He should he should have said, "Man, God's been with me the whole time. We got all these angels. What does He need?" But then he sees we 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 read it in verse seven that Jacob was greatly afraid. Why? Because there was four hundred Jews that were coming his way. Who was he trusting in? All his life, he's been used to trying to do whatever he can to get his way out of situations, and God's like, "Look." I just revealed all the angels that are with you in this place. I'm the one that called you from where you were at to tell you where you're going. But once again, Jacob didn't understand. Once again, he trusted in himself. And guys, as we look at this, we have to realize that this is us. Okay. Uh, Proverbs says that as water reflects a man's face, so the, char 
So the heart reflects the character of the man. See, we are, we are what we do, right? Kind of like you are what you eat. Don't judge me, right? So like, but like, right? So like, so because you get people that are like, no, no, I eat really clean and I do this. And it's like, mm, I don't think so. Like you might be eating fruit, but I, if it comes in a package with sugar on it, it's probably not, right? Like fruit, fruit snacks and all those other things, probably that's not fruit, right? So because we, we are what we eat. Guys, same thing. We are what we do. And some of the problems that we come in, I know for me, right? Some of the problems like, man, why do I keep on doing this? I have to come to the place to know like, dude, that's who you are. And if I want to change that, I don't necessarily have to change what I'm doing. I need to change who I think I am and realize, you know what? God wants me to be me. He wants me to just be real. And too many times we don't do that. And it isn't until we strip all that stuff off and we can just say, hey, you know what, God, this is what it is. When, when I got saved, it, so next month, it, it, August 9th, it's going to be 10 years that I've been saved. And, and every time I think about that, I, there was a pattern of events that were happening in my life. And, um, and I went to a neighbor's house to go talk to him because there was some stuff that I wanted to do. And my wife said, well, you won't go talk to James. And, and I knew that this was a guy that gave godly counsel. You, you just, you knew that the Holy Spirit was residing in him. And so I went over to his house and I'm like, hey man, I'm trying to do this thing, but I'm having second thoughts about it. And he's like, hey, you know what? That's the Holy Spirit telling you it's probably not a good idea and you, you should listen to that. And I'm like, mm, I guess you're right. And it was a good thing that I wanted to do. And he's like, let me ask you something. Where are you with the Lord? I'm like, I'm good. Like, I know the Lord. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, I grew up Catholic, said my prayers. I was a, you know, altar server, did my first communion, did my confirmation. Like, I know Jesus. And he's like, mm. he's like, it sounds like you know about Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. I'm like, what are you talking about? And every argument that I had, he just, he had a Bible on his coffee table and he just picked up the Bible. And then every argument that I had, he just destroyed it with the Bible. He turned to Isaiah and he's like, dude, look at what, look at what God tells the people in Isaiah. He tells them, stop your, stop your sacrifices. I don't, I don't care. They mean nothing to me. Stop praying to me. Like, I'm not even listening. I'm coming right here. I'm not even listening to your prayers. Like, you, you confess me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And then he's like, and Jesus quotes Isaiah in the New Testament, right? So he's like trying to give me the whole scope of the Bible. And he's like, Jesus quotes Isaiah uh, in, in the New Testament. And he tells the Pharisees the same thing. You confess me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. And so then I brought another argument. And it, like, it was just, a, it was a wrestling with the Lord at that moment, right? Just battling back and forth. And it got to the point where he asked me, he's like, look, let me ask you something. If you were to die tonight, where would you go? I'm like, well, dude, just based off of everything you just told me, I'm going to hell, right? The realization that it wasn't about me, it was about what the Lord wanted to do in my life. And he just put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, dude, what would it take for you to surrender your life to the, to the Lord? I said, dude, absolutely nothing. Because I was finally at that place where I knew it wasn't about me. He prayed for me and, and then the journey went on and and one of the things, as, as I told the Lord when I, when I left his house, is like, you know what, Lord? You're with me all these years. For 20, it was the day I was, it was the night before I was going to turn 30. Like, you've been with me all these years. The last 29 years, you have allowed me to live my life however I wanted to. And like Jacob, right? You've been with me the entire time. You kept me from this. I could have been in more trouble for doing this. And, and just getting to that point where it's like, man, I realize what you've done. And I just told the Lord, like, you know what? I don't know, I don't know what's in store. 
but I'm going to spend the rest of my life serving you in whatever capacity that looks like. And that's just been my heart. Says, I don't care what it is. Like just wherever you want me, Lord, just take me to that place. But it, it, re, it, it, re, it required me to know that it wasn't about me and realizing, man, God has been there for me. And he doesn't want me to operate in that manner anymore. And there's been situations along the way where, unfortunately, we've been so jaded and we've been so hurt by things of our past that that becomes our protection, right? And that's where Jacob finds himself. He sees these four, he, he, he gets word that these 400 men are, are coming after him. And instead of taking that time and really praying about what was going to happen, he prays a little bit later, but you know what? In verse 7, it says, He was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two camps. Bro, you already, there was, there was already that camp. Now he's going to divide it more. So now what is he demonstrating? Oh, I got this. He's still trying to save himself. Instead of saying, you know what? I just saw all these angels. I know that God is here. I know that this is his camp. You know what, God? I'm tired of running. I'm tired of doing it in my own strength. You know what? You got this. Nope. He's like, I know exactly what to do with this because he's been so used to operating in that moment. How many of you guys are the same way? You know pressure, right? You thrive. Like, I thrive in pressure. Like, pressure comes, it's like, I know what to do. And, and that's him right here. And so he makes decisions and then he brings God into the equation. He makes a decision on what he's going to do and then he starts praying. And here's the thing. He wants God to pray or to bless the efforts of what he's going to do. Hey, God, I already made my decision. I already know what I'm going to do. So go ahead and, and um, like, bless it, okay? I was like, no, again, that, that, you're missing the point. That's not the way I operate. But you know what? God's been like, go ahead. Do whatever it is. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, God's will is going to get done. And sometimes we go kicking and screaming, right? And other times... And other times we can look back, operate in some kind of way, not trying to protect ourselves. We can take that mask off and put that helmet of salvation on and say, you know what, Lord? You're my salvation, not me. Not who I want people to believe I am, but to be the real person who you say that I am. See, guys, that is the whole message of grace and mercy. Grace and mercy isn't just so much like, oh, I made a problem. Can you give me grace about that? But grace and mercy is, you know what, is being accepted knowing that I don't deserve it. That's the whole message of grace. Because when we have guilt, what we end up trying to do is when we feel, when we feel guilt, we try to redeem ourselves. Oh, I feel so bad that I did this. And then we try to make up for it. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm, I messed up. And this is what I've done. And you know what? I hope he can forgive me. I hope that there's grace in this situation and, and give me that grace. I know that God's given me that grace. And, and the hardest part is, here's the thing. We don't want to be real with who we are. We don't want to give ourselves that grace. We can accept that God has forgiven us. We can ask other people to forgive us, but we aren't willing to come to the place where we can truly forgive ourselves in that situation. Let's jump all the way over to verse 26. Let's go 25. Chapter 32, verse 25. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, just imagine that, right? Like it's all dark, right? And he's probably just sitting there thinking like, what am I going to do? And then somebody just like, just jumps right on top of him, right? He's probably like, dang it, it's Esau. That, that's the first thing when I'm thinking about that. He's probably like, great, he got me, you know? And he wrestles and he wrestles with God. Now, it, it's interesting because we start thinking, our minds go like, what do you mean he wrestled with God? Like God could destroy him. Like I'm a dad. 
Okay. I got one of my boys here and the other boy is out, is at the house right now. Right. And they want to wrestle. Like it, we were just, I was just talking with Jim earlier, right? The, the boys will walk by me and they're like seeing where I'm at. Cause they want to see like where, the, like, have they, have they already been taller than dad is where they're at. Right. Because they want to see. And so then I wrestle the boys and, and it's at the place where, you know, like, I'm not going to destroy them. Right. That'd be a bad dad. Right. But I, but I wrestle with them and, and, you know, there's a tug of war and, and all this other stuff. So like, as we read this, that's how God is. I mean, she could have destroyed him, but instead God wrestles with him because that's what a loving dad does. And guess what? Me wrestling with my boys, like that, I enjoy doing that. Right. And I'm not going to let them win. Right. Just, <laughs> but, but I remember, I remember as a, as a kid, it was, um, I was so at this point I was 18. I just I got done doing Marine boot camp and 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 coming out of my uh my MOS schooling and I came home and and uh I was in the reserve so I came home and I remember like it was that point where I was like yeah like all right dad like now's the time. And and so like it was always like a competition. My dad always wrestled with me. And when I was a kid, like when I was in high school middle school, he'd let me win and I thought that I was like 10 like, man, I can just about be my dad. I can beat a grown man. So when, when, when the time came that I had finally come home and I was like, all right, dude, like, what are you going to do to this Marine? Like, let's do this. And my dad and I wrestled and it was like, it, it was at the point where like neither one of us won. We were super like exhausted. And it was kind of like that understanding where I was like, dude, you let me win all this time. Like, I really thought I had a chance all these years. And it was at that level of respect where I was like, and and we never wrestled again after that because it was like, all right, like it's going to come to the point like like we're really going to go at it. You know what I mean? And, and again, right. But but looking at this with God, like God allows us to do things. And the more we fight him, like, no, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. Like a loving dad. He's like, you know what? Cool. Like do your I'm here. But whenever you're ready for me to help you out, just let me know. Right. And so he gets to that point and he's holding on to him and, and the sun's coming up and he's like not going to let him go. And the Lord's like, all right, we need to like stop this. Cause guess what? Like him, him having to leave when the sun was coming up, it tells us that we can't see God again. That was done in mercy again. That was done in grace. Hey, dude, you got to let me go. Cause if not, I'm going to destroy you if you see me. So he, he, he touches the hip of his socket. Right. And he's like, I'm not going to let you go. Unless what? Verse 27. And he said to him, what is your name? He just wanted that blessing so bad. He wanted, and think of, think of what Jacob was doing this entire time, right? As he's giving these animals to his brother, he's kind of trying to sweeten up the deal, right? Right, he's trying to sweeten up the deal, but think about it. It's like, hey, all these blessings that I have, I'm going to share it with you. The blessing that I stole from you, I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. But Jacob had to know, no, I need you to bless. I need this blessing. Because deep down inside, he knew that there was something that was missing. And it's interesting when he asks the Lord to bless him, what does the Lord ask him? What is your name? He had nothing to hide behind. All those things that he was leaning upon his entire life to try to get him out of it, he had absolutely nothing. Think of the way that you came to salvation. Was it at one of those moments? Was it at that moment where you're finally like, dude, I'm just done. I got nothing left. I got no fight. I've made a mess of absolutely everything. Lord, have it. Take it. 
because this life is not mine, it's yours. If you haven't made that decision, maybe you've been wrestling with God. And you think you're wrestling with maybe your children, your parents, your spouse, a friend. You're not. It's the Lord. It's the Lord that you're, mess- that you're wrestling with. And you need to come to that point where you're like, my God, you know me and you love me. And this is who I am. Not the persona that I wanted myself to be. Not the person who I was trying to be. But that person that you fight to recognize who you really truly are. That's me, Lord. So he asks him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. He knew he was wrestling. He was hoping that maybe it would have been his brother. Maybe. But he realized, "Is God, is this truly you? God cares about our character. And as we read the scriptures, don't just think it's about stories and, and character studies that happened to people of years past and we're just trying to go through it. But really take the time and ask, what's going on here? What was happening in this moment? What brought them to this place? Because God, just like God was shaping the character of Jacob through this situation, how fortunate are we that the Bible is still not... I, I praise God the Bible is not being read right now because I would hate to have you guys all read about what's going on in my life, right? So I'm grateful that God is real and honest about how he was redeeming people and how he wanted to work in people's life. But just like I, I, I opened up with that quote, right? The most, what we think about God is the most important thing that we think about ourselves. And if you think God is kind of done with you and kind of fed up, how many times do we tell ourselves, man, this is it. Like this is the last time that I messed up and God's just going to be done and over with it. Well, that's going to affect how you live your life. But if you realize there's, there's places in the scripture, like in Hebrews, it tells us that, uh, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. It's the throne of grace. We think it's the throne of judgment. We think it's the throne of, of just, just salvation. But that salvation came because of grace. That's what we get to, boldly, we get to approach that. So if that's the throne of grace, that's where I want to go. And that grace is going to be given to me. So those things that you're holding on to, those things that you're trying to hide, don't. Take it to the Lord because that's the throne that he has. It says in, uh, I, think it's in I think it's in Micah where, where it says that, that, uh, that God delights in mercy. He delights in mercy? Man, like just, like just think about what that means. He delights in that. If I realize that that's who God is, you know what? I'm going to live my life much differently from that. So I had a situation like right before we left. Like, I mean, I text Jim. I was like, dude, sorry, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I just hit the road right now. I'm on my way. And my wife, she's, she's had uh, health issues for, for the longest time. She's got lupus and all kinds of stuff and had to go to the doctor and they had to give her a, a series of shots. And it's just completely like, dest- it had to like completely uh, destroy her immune system because she just stuff that was going on. And right before I was getting ready to leave, she like opened up a cabinet. I'm getting my, my socks and shoes on and I just hear this loud bang. So I like rush in there and um, we're going to have some people over later on. 
And so she's trying to get dinner ready. So she's got all that stuff taken care of. So I can go and do all the stuff that I got to do. And I walk in the, into the kitchen. There's like spaghetti sauce everywhere. The jar just fell. Luckily it wasn't glass, but it was a, a plastic jar and just spaghetti sauce went everywhere. And she's frustrated because she's just been dealing with, you know, just her health. And, um, and so I helped her clean it up and the dog needed to get walked. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll go take the dog. I said, you know what? Just, just stop. Like, you know what? I, I know we got people coming over, but just, just rest. I'll be back in time and, and I'll, I'll put the stuff in the crock pot. And, and unfortunately she's like, no, she's like, I don't want to go through what we went back through in, in 2020. And, um, and marriage is tough, right? Marriage is tough. And, uh, there was a season that my wife and I just had a super hard season. And, um, she's like, I don't want to go back to that season because we've been doing really good. And, uh, and in that moment, I was just like, I didn't try to defend myself. I didn't, I, and guys, this is like, just what, like an hour ago, right? I didn't try to defend myself and be like, you know what, we're over that. Are you going to get over it? Because that's a lot of the times where I would have been. And when I do that, you know what I, you know what I've come to realize? Like, that's when I operate out of a defensiveness. I'm not putting on, you know, I'm not operating, you know, with the helmet, with the breastplate of righteousness and, and the shield of faith, right? I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm doing those things and taking care of myself, trying to protect myself. And I just looked at her and I gave her a hug and I was like, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry because I know that you like, that gives you anxiety to feel like you have to do this because of the pressure that I was putting on you back then. And I just held her. It's like, you know what? I'm sorry. And, and, and I said, it's my fault that you feel that way. I didn't say, well, you know what? You feel this way because that's what I used to do. That's what I used to do. And I had to come to a place where I was, where I had to be real with God. I went to an event in April and it was absolutely uh, life-changing and, and realized, and I, and just bringing my hurt to the Lord and realizing, you know what, all this time that I've tried to protect myself because of my hurts from childhood and, and everything else that I've been through, I wasn't just hurting myself, but I was hurting my family, my spouse, you know? And, and in that moment, I had the opportunity to just tell her, like, you know what? We're not going to go down that road. Not because it's just not going to happen, because I'm going to choose something different, and I'm going to choose something better. And, like, we look at Jacob, so let's, let's, let's continue to look. Verse 13, so, um, verse 13. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel St. Pariah. I have seen the face of God, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose up um, as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. When we come real with the Lord, it's, there's going to be a wounding. There's going to be a wounding within ourselves. And Jacob, think of, think of his wounding. He was going to walk for a limp for the rest of his life. That means a couple of things. Abril, you need to be careful of the decisions that you make because you're not going to be able to outrun these, right? Because all his life he was running. You're not going to be able to run anymore. So him knowing that, He's going to pick and choose, right? Like when you get older and you drop something, you're like, I don't like, forget it. I'm not even going to pick that up. Right. Where you, like you get to that point. Right. So think of, think of Jacob. Jacob's going to be like, yeah, you know what? Like I'm, I'm just going to be upfront and honest. Cause like, I'm just, there's no run left in this guy. Cause I'm gonna get chased down. Not only does it do that for him where he's going to think twice about that. You know what it's also going to do? It's going to give him compassion for other people because of his wounding. He's going to be able to be compassionate about others and see them through a different lens and that should be our desire as a church where you know what this is a place where we can come for healing and restoration that god can bring us to you know it it, it said like the church is a, is a hospital for sinners 
right? If that's true, okay, because God wants to heal us. But think of a hospital. Who goes to a hospital and it's like all full of tubes and they're like, are you okay? Is there anything wrong with you? Nope, I'm good. I got nothing. I got nothing wrong with me. I don't know why I'm in here. No, people in the hospital are like, yeah. Like, and these doctors are doing a lousy job of this. And man, I got this going on and I got this going on. And nobody's hiding the fact that they're sick, right? Guys, if this is a place of grace, we're all here because we all have stuff that we brought into here. And if, I, if I'm supposed to expect that God's going to have grace on me, shouldn't I have grace on my brothers and sisters? But grace won't be extended sometimes until we extend that grace or we become real with what we've been through, right? So that's where we're at. And guess what? Because of that, that limp that he walks with, he's going to be able to have that compassion on other people. And he's going to be able to say, hey, you know what? I can tell you what I've been through and what I've gone through. Just like we can share that, right? Our when our shame becomes a thing that we try to protect, that becomes a thing that we find our strength in, right? When we protect our shame, because that's what we try to strengthen ourselves. The apostle tells us, the apostle Paul tells us, when I am weak, I am strong. Not because he's strong, but because he knows what God has done. Me telling you that my marriage and me and my wife going through it and all this other stuff doesn't make me weak. You know what? Some of you guys are like, Phew, I'm so glad you said that because we were arguing on the way over here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not as messed up as he is. He went through something way more, really, you know what I mean? So, so you're welcome. Uh, but, but in those, but in those moments, like, I don't feel, I don't find that weak. You know what? Like, I can find that healing be, behind that. You know what I mean? And I can find that compassion with that. So, are you wrestling with the Lord? Are you wrestling with people? It's time to tap out. It's time to tap out and it's time when the Lord's asking you, who are you? For you to just be real and say, you know what, Lord? You know who I am. This is what I've done. And anything that I've done, like the Apostle Paul says, are nothing but filthy rags compared to your goodness. Dress me in your clothes of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the realness of your word and just how you are so good. And and God, thank you. Thank you that that you save us in order so we don't save ourselves and make a mess of so many things. God, I thank you that we can look in, into Jacob's life and see the the different areas that he's gone through and look at ourselves and, and think, what have I been doing this whole time? What has brought me to this point in my life and that mask that I've been wearing? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us that opportunity where, where we can take that mask off and be real. And that we wouldn't operate out of a false self, but we would operate out of a real self. Where the only reason any of us are going to go to heaven isn't because we've been good, isn't because of, 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 of being a nice person. Where the only reason why we get to go to heaven is because you are the one that made that way possible for us. And so God, thank you for that. And knowing that, Lord, there's nothing that I'm going to carry in and there's nothing that I can do to make me any any better than, than my brothers and sisters. And God, you love me. And your, your word tells us that even when we were your enemies, you still sent your son to die for us. God, help us to, to just accept that and to know that and to, 
and to embrace that. Lord, and help us to live a life that that is is from a place of of love. Not that we're trying to to achieve your love, but it's from a place of love. God, we don't fight for victory. We for victory, we fight from victory. Ephesians tells us that we are to walk worthy. We don't walk so that we would become worthy. God, we're supposed to walk because we are worthy. God, thank you for that. Thank you for the work that you do in our life. Thank you for the honesty of 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 your word and just how real it truly is. I just pray, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to live a life that is pleasing to you because we appreciate what you have done for us. God, help us to see people through your eyes. Help us to love people uh, with your love. God, and help us to accept ourselves for who we are. And God, you love us enough to not leave us that way, but to change us for your glory and for your betterment. God, we pray these things in the mighty name of our victorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.